0: I'm going to give it an overview today, but I want to start in Colossians chapter 1. I want to lay a foundation for you about what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about shepherding well. That's what I want to do as your shepherd. That's what you want to do as an under-shepherd, right? We want to shepherd well. And that means pursuing maturity in the church. Shepherding well means that we need to pursue maturity in the church. I need it. You need it. We, we all need it. Um, if you're in Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to get to verse 27 just to lay the foundation. If you're there, say you're there. All right, I got most of you. Um, Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 27. It's kind of in the middle there. It's at the end of chapter 1. Get to the point To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. And then he's going to tell you what the mystery is. So now it's no longer a mystery. That's kind of cool, right? He's like, here's the mystery. Now you don't have to wonder anymore. Here it is. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's it, right? right. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of eternal life, the hope of the the picture that John painted where he's going to wipe our tear away. We're going to see him face to face and it's going to be amazing. No more pain or suffering. Oh God, come back, please. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let me continue. Verse 28. Jesus Christ, him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone, there it is, mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, Christ's energy, that he, Christ, powerfully works within me. I've written in my Bible They're growing, right? We're growing in Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So, With this as a backstop, right, that we're going to proclaim, preach, herald the word of God, that we're going to warn, admonish, and rebuke at times, when necessary, that we're going to teach, encourage, and exhort, that's the fun part, right, and we're going to present everyone mature in Christ. Let me just put this up here. Why do we do this? We have some elders up here, they're going to be reading scripture over you. Why do we as elders do this? We're going to have to give an account, right? Let me throw that verse up there. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders. I'm going to give you a lot of different leaders that you are called to obey today. Submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. That's a a weighty task. As those who will have to give an account, I have to stand before God one day and go, you know what, Lucas, <laughs> you know, God, here, I'd just like to present Lucas to you, mature in Christ. Thank you for the blood of Christ, right? Because that's impossible apart from that. Uh, it, this would be a, a losing job without Christ. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So we want to do it together, we want to do it joyfully, we want to pursue maturity in the church, and we're going to read for you Titus of Adam Swatsky and, and, and uh, I almost called you Kendall Cones you like that? Kendall's not here today, he's in Madison. Yeah, uh, Ed Gull, come on up guys. We're going to read for you Titus, so flip over to Titus, this is a word for our church, we're just going to read it to you straight through. I know that's going to take a bit of your focus and attention, so dig in. And then I'm just going to give you a few words about pursuing maturity in the church.
1: Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work.
0: But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober minded, dignified, self controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, Be careful when you say that. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself, Titus, in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bondservants, slaves, are to be submissive to their own masters, In everything they are to be well pleasing not argumentative not pilfering but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works, declare these things, Exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you.
2: Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured on on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devour themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful,
0: Amen. Thank you, fellas. I'm really grateful for these guys. I'm really grateful I get to be in ministry with them. You know we're all ministers, right? Everybody's in full-time ministry. Do you know this? I hope you didn't come to church today thinking, well, yeah, well, we pay the pastor. He's in full-time ministry. Everybody's in full-time ministry. Some people are vocational. They get paid for it. We get paid to support you in doing the work of the ministry, to encourage you. So let me encourage you. Um, Here's pursuing maturity in the church by. I'm going to give you three things from the text. Pursuing maturity in the church by. The first thing is appointing godly leaders. Appointing godly leaders. That's how we pursue maturity. That's how Paul told Titus to go about setting things in order. Hey, this is how you're going to start it. You're going to get some leaders. They're going to have to be godly, and you're going to put them in place, and this is going to be a sure foundation, right? The foundation is Jesus Christ. So find some people that have that rock in them. So we've done that here in our church, and I want to celebrate that, right? We have some godly leaders, and... Uh, I want to put them up on the screen for you. We'll start with the elders. How about that? I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you've been to our website, but these are the four elders that we have currently, um, and we're really grateful for them. They're godly men. They love the Lord. They're not perfect, but they're progressing in their faith. They're going hard. They're pursuing maturity, and that's important. And then I want to show you our deacons, right? Deacons, what's the difference, right? These are selfies because I, uh, uh, you know, a senior pastor wanted like pictures of everybody, and they're like, oh, deacons. Give me pictures. Okay, selfies. These are our deacons, man. They're, they're serving the church. They lead us by serving. They're serving the church. They've done a lot to get us here to JM. We're grateful for them. There's the last two guys. Just really, really godly men. And they meet the qualifications of. Timothy three, and um, but you know appointing godly leaders. If you read the rest of the Bible, right, this is written to Titus. He needed to start with elders, but we realize from other places, Acts six, Timothy three, that deacons are important too. We read in you know Acts two and Acts five and other places that these these small group leaders, we call them small group leaders, but just under shepherds, leaders of ten like it says in Exodus chapter 18, if you go read that. They're important too. So I want to put them up for you. I'm going to leave those up a little while. I'm not going to say all of their names, but I want you just to have name and face. And maybe if you're not in a small group, you need to contact one of these people and get up under their leadership because I would say to you, you know, these people are gone through uh, leadership Uncommon Leadership 101, Uncommon Leadership 201, they're they're in uh, leadership in our church because they've been vetted. Uh, I'll give you a a few words for it in a second. And the last one. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to be in leadership. Remember the word toil? To exhaustion. It's okay to be exhausted and to struggle, to fight for something worth fighting for. And the church is one of those things. The church is worth fighting for. And so I'll give you the staff last. The reason I put the staff last is we're here to serve you. We're here to support you. We're here to equip you for the work of the ministry. So who are the, yeah, those are our pastors, okay? And then here are our directors, plus uh, my executive assistant who's, uh, like, like a director, because she directs me. That's helpful. <laughs> really helpful. And then this is our coordinators. And uh, you know what? They're all wearing multiple hats. They're all doing tons of work. Let's get back to the point. The point is, he says, set in order, put into order what remains, what is undone. And, and I just got to say to you, we have to install, we have to equip, we have to appoint Godly leaders. That's foundational to being a mature, godly church. Okay, so to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what the staff is supposed to do. So I want to give you their job description a little bit. Uh, we'll go over to Ephesians chapter, uh, it'll just be on the screen for you. And he gave the apostles and prophets, those those are there, foundational for the church, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, uh, that's a category that we'll see in, in Titus 2, to equip the saints. That's you. If you know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're elect, you're living in eternal life, you're a saint. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith. That's some key, unity. And of the knowledge of the Son of God the truth. To mature manhood. That's, that's what we're focused on today, isn't it? Pursuing maturity in the church. To mature manhood. To mature womanhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Will you ever get there? To the measure, to the stature, to the fullness of Jesus Christ. Well, one day, when we're glorified, maybe the work will be finished. Right? Right? But now, let me give you three words that I see in um, the passage here, Titus 1, that are important concerning elders. Elders need to be qualified, okay? So we want this not just for the people that were on the screen, we want this for you. We want everyone to be presented mature in Christ. That's what we're working and toiling so hard for. So we're not like, oh great, we got enough leaders, this is great, we're just going to be done now. No, no, no. This is an ongoing process. People move away. People get sent out to be missionaries. People get sent out to plant churches. We all need to be growing up in the Lord. And we need to be qualified, above reproach, growing, not perfect. Again, we need to fear God. Exodus 18 says, fear God, be trustworthy, and don't take a bribe. Those are the three things Moses was supposed to look for. Those are the three things we're seeing in this passage, too. Be qualified, above reproach, fear God. Second thing, consistent. Leaders aren't supposed to be like this, you know? Their personality might be like that, right? But their leadership shouldn't be like that. They need to be consistent, they need to be trustworthy. Willing to both be taught and to teach. Both humble. Humble enough to learn something new today. Man, I'm learning something. And, you know, humble enough to teach. Mature enough to teach. Both things. And then this. Qualified, consistent, and capable. Right? I'm using the word capable I couldn't find a good word, but we'll just go with it. Capable. It means they're apt to teach. So, let's just say it like this. Able to teach and be taught the truth. But then this. Willing to rebuke sinful behavior when necessary. That's something that takes maturity. Matter of fact, our church is eight years old. I think we're still learning that a little bit. What is a gracious way... What is a godly way to speak the truth in love? What is a godly way to say, don't hurt yourself. I'm warning you. I'm admonishing you. You have to stop that now in the name of Jesus Christ. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting the church. We're growing in that. And that's capable. Apt to teach, willing to rebuke. All right, so we should be done, right? We have four elders. we got you know, this and that and the other thing. When does the work finish? He says, put into order the things that remain. When does the work finish? I mean, I kind of got to ask that question when I'm, I want to put this into our context. So we're done now. Let's just pack it up and go home. That's not what he's saying. We're pursuing maturity continually. None of us have arrived we're all pressing forward towards more godliness, more like Christ, emptying ourselves daily. When is the work finished? I'm still waiting for an answer. You guys want to an answer? When we see Jesus Christ face to face, right? When we get to our eternity, that's when it's done. Is it done? Or are we just going to like go on with even better work of glorifying God? Yeah, okay, well. For, for practical purposes, the human work will be done. We'll just say that. All right, now listen. So if that's the end, why do we set goals? Why do we have deadlines? Why do we try hard? We know that's the end. We'll just wait for the end. I think there's an undertone in the passage. I'm going to give it a word. You can write it down. The word is Urgency. Paul's not like, you know what, when you get good and ready, go ahead and do this. He's kind of like, we're in a hurry. Right? We have some things to do. Let's get it done as quickly as possible. Get it done well, qualified, consistent, capable. Don't, Don't skimp on that. But let's get it done now. Let's work hard at getting it done. Right? So, why? Why urgency? Some people don't like urgency. They think it's an enemy. We like urgency because we believe it's a godly thing. Why? Jesus is coming back. You don't know when. People need to hear about Jesus now. And I want to learn more about him today I want to grow in my relationship with him now this is the reason for urgency now that's chapter 1 at the end of chapter 1 is the most scary verse in the New Testament for me let me read it for you they profess to know God I know God yeah me that's me two hands up I'd get my feet up too if I could levitate. Like, come on. But they deny him by their works. That's me too. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. What does he mean? It's a pattern. It's a pattern of behavior. It's not just one thing. I know you sinned today already. I know you sinned yesterday. It's not that. It's a pattern. What's the pattern of your life? And if somebody said to you, rebuked you, we need to grow in that, right, church? If somebody rebuked you and said, what you're doing is not good, how would you handle that? Would you be above reproach? That's what it means to say, I can see that. And I, I, could you help me? I need, I need to get through that. These are mature things that we would do in a church in its healthy He says, they are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Literally, they're not doing anything good. They're just kind of sitting around, waiting for Jesus to come back. We, We might label it a consumer Christian, right? We've all been there. We've all tried to consume more than we've output. We have to consume more than we output. But can you consume enough to actually output And can you do it consistently? And this is maturity. This is what we're all going for. All right, the second chapter. So pursuing maturity in the church by appointing godly leaders. The second chapter deals with this. Training. You could substitute the word teaching if you want. Training. He uses it both ways. Train, teach. Training godly people. So we're here today. This isn't uh, what what I'll say... um, Awesome message, a lot of like illustrations. This is just straight training. This is just, just here we go, we're going to train people for godliness, this is what we're going to do, um, message. Chapter 2 spoke about different roles. Paul addresses specific roles, and I want you to try to put yourself in one of the roles today. Can you do that? Church, can you do it? Can you put yourself, would you be willing to say, I'm an older woman? I won't be willing to call you that either. Would you be willing to call yourself a younger woman? Would you be willing to call yourself an older man? Gray head, gray hair, crown of glory, right? I'm just thinking, John, about your hair being completely gray and that awesome. It kind of makes me think of like a mad professor or something. I don't know. <laughs> You're definitely a younger man. No gray hairs there. Okay. I got John pegged, but then there's pastor, teacher, right? You might fit into that role, or you might be pursuing that role. I know there's some people that are not in ministry now, but long to be, and have schooling to be, and uh, you might just consider those verses. And then servants, servants was slaves. It was bond servants. He gave all the people in the household, and then he was like, "Well, yeah, but in the household we have slaves too." And I just wanna, I just wanna like. Apply that to our, we don't have slaves, I don't have any slaves, you don't have any slaves, my, my staff aren't slaves, but I want to I wanna, uh, apply it in a context of our culture. We are all servants of God. So the things that he says to the slaves apply to us as bond servants of Jesus Christ. This is how we should all act. So I've pegged you on it now. Verses 9 and 10 are definitely yours, regardless of if you're young or old woman or man. Pastor, teacher or not. So here's what I want you to do. I'm just going to give you the verses. They're on the screen now. Okay? You find the category, or maybe there's more than one. You write down those verses. You go train. Okay? Go get in the Word. Go dig into the, what does that Greek say? Use a tool. Use a commentary. Get after it. Right? And figure out what your role specifically is supposed to be in the church for Jesus Christ in a mature way this week. Do you have your assignment? Church, I'm speaking to you. Do you have your assignment? Whether you like it or not, you do have your assignment. (laughs) I mean, some people go to school and they just rip up their homework, right? They don't even do it. It's like a dog ate it, kind of, like I fed it to them, you know? Or you have your assignment. Now, I want to get to this next uh, verse. Verse 11 through 14. See, Paul doesn't just want you to know your role. He wants to be clear. He needs you to see your role, your responsibility in the light of the gospel. Right? It's not just, oh, I got a role. I need to be dignified when I speak. What does that mean? I better start wearing suits. I need to be, you know, above reproach. Great. Yes. It's hard to do. Grace, please. But these things need to center around the cross of Christ. These things need to be grace, gospel saturated, or it's stale and weak and flimsy. It's just an organization not a living organism So let me just read it for you again. For the grace of God has appeared. That's Jesus bringing salvation for all people. Amen. Training. That's the thing. Training godly people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Anybody relate to that? Anybody have anything they wanted to do last night, but they were like, should I, shouldn't I? What does God think? I didn't see any hands, but I'm going to assume yes. Voting by your silence. And to live self-controlled. If you notice, almost all of these people are told to be self-controlled. Self-controlled is something that we all need to study. Upright and godly lives in the present age. So right now, right here, not waiting for heaven to come, not waiting for Jesus Christ to come back, right now in this present age, we've got to act a certain way. While we wait, so waiting for our blessed hope, Christ is coming back, and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that's the cross, to redeem us from all lawlessness, sin, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. That's definitely a reference to baptism. There's definitely a reference to baptism there were the purifying, Okay? You're, you're made new by the death, burial, and resurrection. You're washed new. And he gets to this last phrase. Who are zealous for good works? That's a good identification. America. Do you know America? Do you know any patriots? Do you know anybody that's like really patriotic? There's a guy on 2nd Street that wears like that uh, get up, you know? I would just say he's patriotic. I don't know if he's all there. I don't know, but he's patriotic. Can you say that about him? All right. I want to be known as someone who's an enthusiast of good works. That's what he's saying. I'm a patriot of doing good works. I'm known for... Not America, but good works. People should be saying, you know those people over at Harvest Bible Chapel, Rochester, Minnesota? Man, they'd give you the shirt off their back. Man, they're all into good works. Again, careful. Good works done in the flesh are meaningless. Filthy rags. Led by the Spirit to do a good thing for someone this week, evidence of salvation. We train godly people. The gospel that he just stated compels us, compels me to be zealous for good works. Now I want to get to the last point. It's a reminder, it's like I'm already done. Godly leaders, godly people, let's go, church. That's maturity. All right. But there's a whole other chapter. And the chapter starts with, remind them of the first two. Like, Jesus is in the repetition. You know, they use that in public school to kind of remind you of what you're supposed to do. You know, they keep coming back. They keep testing you and stuff. Why is the teacher going, I already got that one. They keep coming back and back to it. Why? Because we need the reminder again today. So remind them, both leaders, people, godly, remind them of the gospel. So I just want to remind you, just a few principles from the passage, I want you to write them down. I'm not going to go verse by verse, but I'm going to give you these uh, uh, examples, okay? So remind them first Character matters. Write that down. Character matters. So that's verses uh, 1 and 2. Character matters. Now, if you major on character matters, you'll forget to have grace. So, verses 3 through 7, grace matters too. If you're a a Pharisee and you're like, character matters, see? Y'all need to come up to my level. Hey, 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 hey. Verses 3 through 7, grace matters too. Then he goes on in verses 8 through 11 and he says this, urgency is important. I've already majored on that. I've already said something about that but I just want to remind you that urgency is important. In case you're a person that's like, Steve, you're a little too intense for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I would rub you the wrong way. I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm setting out to do. That being said, I won't apologize for being intense for the Lord. I won't apologize for being urgent and on mission because God is honored by that. Urgency is important. Now, 3, verses 12 through 14, you guys are writing this down. Effort is expected. He says it twice. Do your best. Do your best. That's all you can do. Just bring your best to church today. Effort is expected. And then this last one, which is the creme de la creme of the chapter and the book. We need to learn. If we want to be mature, if we want to pursue maturity in the church, we need to be learners. What have you learned this week? Go to your small group and say, what did you learn about Christ this week? Teach me. Go to your small group and say, I learned this this week. We're learning. We're learning. We're growing that way. Learn to devote ourselves, myself, to good works. Now, I want to finish with the gospel. I want to come back to the gospel. The gospel includes the grace of God. The gospel includes the work of the Holy Spirit. The gospel includes the love of Jesus Christ. The gospel includes the hope of eternal life. You're going to see it all here. I'm just going to read for you verses 3 through 7 to end. For we ourselves, you, me, Say to your neighbor, it's you. Yeah, it's me too. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves. I was literally a slave to various passions and pleasures. Matter of fact, I didn't even know what I was doing. It was just like zombieville. I just walked off the cliff every day and didn't even know it. But now I know better, right? Passing our days in malice—that's hatred and envy. I want what you have, hated by others and hating one another. Doesn't doesn't look good, does it? Church, done with that in our church, right? Not like that. Not like that, church. Not like that. But remember what I said on Easter Sunday. Like the buts in the Bible. But when. The goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. Can I get an amen right there? I'm going to run through it again. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Come on now. That's amazing. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, just in case you thought this was a good works message but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly my goal today is that you will feel the Holy Spirit rushing into your life through Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified made free him for me I'm now made perfect God looks at me as perfect and he's now made sin for me I don't know, understand it, but I'm, I'm grateful for it. By his grace, we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He keeps coming back to the future here. Eternity's coming. We're living in it now. The gospel is real. Have you experienced the gospel in your life? I just gotta end with that. Because lest you be here and you're like, oh yeah, we talked about leadership in the church. We talked about you know becoming more godly in our own role. but did we talk about the start where we all had to start at the foot of the cross? Have you experienced the blessing, the forgiveness, the saving grace of our Savior Jesus Christ? That's where it starts. If you want to be a godly leader someday, if you want to be a godly person to learn to be taught, and to teach. It starts with salvation. It starts with admitting my own sin. Yeah, I was once like that. That's who I was. That was my story. Or I am like that. But I don't want to do that again tomorrow. I want to be different. I want to be saved by faith. I want to embrace Jesus Christ. If that's you, you might just say a prayer. I know I've gone over this every week, but this is just the prayer. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. I accept your payment for my sin. The blood rushing over me, right? Now I'm new. I'm free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Send me out to do good works. I'm learning, God. I'm learning. This week I'm going to learn how to do good works better than it's ever been before in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in my own strength. I'm not going to try to do it, God. I'm going to wait for you to move. And when you move, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act. A great application to this message is this. If you've never been to step one or step two, what a great way to grow. And so it's right after church, and we invite you to it. I'll be there, an elder will be there. We'll be training godly people. And if you want to accept Jesus Christ, today's a day. You just ask him to forgive you and you say, I'm going to live for you, Jesus. And, and they will start learning from there. Hey, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for each of you. And we're going to sing. And as we sing, just remember, the front of the house is open for prayer. This is a house of prayer. Whether you pray in your seat, whether you come down front, doesn't matter. But this is a house of prayer. We want to pray to our great God and Savior Jesus Christ.